This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Go into it with, with your whole heart. You know, go, leave, hold nothing back. You know, don't hide the, the, the beautiful, truthful things that are sitting in there. Welcome, everybody, to the Jeff Mara Podcast. Today's guest is Ishtar. He is a meditation teacher, Aishaya monk, gardener, writer, and intuitive astrologer. At the age of 13, he was involved in a car accident that took his mother's life and initiated an NDE. Ishtar, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you taking out the time today to join us. Thank right. you. Thank you very much, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure. So my audience is really interested in NDEs. Let's fast forward right to the the time of your accident and start from there. Mm, sure, absolutely. Uh, let's see. It was, a, it was a lovely Wisconsin day mm-hmm. just at the beginning of summer, June 6, 1997. Mm-hmm. And it was my second to last day of school. The, the day before actually is part of the experience for me uh, in, in truth because uh, well actually I broke my arm the day before which which um, playing baseball getting hit by a, an especially hard fastball right right about here mm-hmm. and that was my big complaint and I, I was about to go to bed and I was talking to my mother uh, you know before heading off to my uh, to, to go to bed and all of a sudden uh, basically this very powerful uh, feeling uh, came through me. And I, I couldn't think about it. You know, the words came out of my mouth before I had time to think. And they were basically, you know, are you, are you going to die soon, mom? Hmm. And, and they it could tell that they really, you know, hit her mm-hmm. uh, with, with some power. And, yeah. you know, she wasn't, uh, uh, both of my parents were, were quite, I suppose, um, had strong intellects and strong rational minds and, mm-hmm. and, you know, weren't, weren't, uh, you know, they were open to that sort of thing, but they were pretty solid mm-hmm. feet on the ground type people. So to have it, so to have it kind of hit her and I, and, you know, affect her in a sort of sense that, that actually, uh, that communicated something to me at that moment. Have and you, um, then of course she said, well, no, not for a while. It's kind of like a profound, maybe unusual statement for you to make, I'm guessing. And if so, have you ever, yes. just, have you ever just come out and made statements like that to her before? Or was that the first time? Um, nothing like that to her. No, I, I had lots of precognitive experiences, uh, even where I stated things and they happened, but never, never, really never to my mother like that. And I never had any worries about my mother's health, which was also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, ne- I never had any worries about my, my mother dying sooner, her health or any of that uh, through my childhood and uh, growing up. So, so it was kind of interesting. It just came out of my mouth and, you know, went, went straight to her. And, and, you know, of course she said, not for a while, I'm going to be, be here for a while. And then I felt okay uh, with, with all of that. And um, then the next morning I, I woke up with a complete start and, and, you know, I, I basically flew out of my bed essentially um, zero to 60 in less than a second. And I was panting as if I would run into my body from somewhere and it was as as I woke up, my mother and father were were walking right outside my door, and I was saying, "I got, I've got something I've got to tell you. I've got something I've got to tell you." Uh, but I couldn't remember what it was, and I was so frustrated. 
that I couldn't remember this thing. I was so frustrated. They had to kind of, they came into my room and kind of calmed me down mm -hmm. because I was so exasperated mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with whatever it was that I was missing. And so then, you know, just, you know, calmed down and then they went off on their walk and then I went, got my backpack and lunch and all that stuff ready and walked off to school, had a school day, uh, came home and, you know, was just watching a movie with my mom, you know, before we were going to drive my sister to her new place of work at the edge of town, a movie theater. And um, so we, we drove out there, dropped her off and we're pulling out of the parking lot, kind of going across one of those um, four lane divided highways, two lanes either way with the median strip. And we were, we were pulling out and it, you know, looking to the left, it seemed fine. You know, that we, there was one car that we were totally gonna, you know, not, not even have any issue with. Mm -hmm. And then it just seemed that just so happened that behind that car, you know, kind of hidden uh, was another car, uh, like mm -hmm. a big Lincoln town car that seemed to be going the same, I guess we caught, caught a little bit. It was going the same, the same rate as the other one, but then it just started speeding up apparently, mm -hmm. you know, going from uh, like 40 to, to you know, 20 miles over the speed limit. And as we pulled out, you know, I was going to, uh, talked looked to my left to talk to my mom and as i did that that there was this big gray car right you know right there um must you know maybe only four feet from my physical body you know with my mom and and the car and 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 so you know that was that that had a sense of finality to it yeah. to me when i looked at it i i didn't um i just you know my first thought was shit you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and this, you know, cause I was pretty sure this was it for, for the both of us. Mm -hmm. And the second thought was instead of tightening up, I was started to go into this process of profound loosening and letting go. And mm -hmm. so the second thought was quite philosophical. It was almost thought as I was kind of almost falling into this deep space. I thought, I really thought this one was going to go more than 13 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was pretty sure it was done and okay, fine, I guess. But I thought this one, you know, the lifeline was a bit longer on this one. And that, those, that was even the grammatical, uh, uh, that was, those were the words that I used. So there was even then a sense of being much more identified with this uh, larger kind of bigger than one lifetime space of consciousness, space of the self, which I'd, I'd had contact with before. Uh, you know, throughout childhood, I just, you know, didn't pay it all that much mind or think of them as significant experiences that, that to be had. Mm -hmm. And, and so right after I thought that, um, there it came, um, the whole, you know, uh, an inv really involuntary, the, the going through my whole life from that moment, like going through a film reel in hyper detail, uh, and in the film that moment back all the way to, you know, being in the hospital <laughs> when I was born. <laughs> In that moment, so it looks like it's right before you're about to get hit, you're going through all this, right? Because you haven't yep. actually, you, the collision hasn't happened yet. No, no. And, and um, <laughs> at that point, you were saying having a life review already? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you feel like what you saw, were you like in another place now, like in a, in a darkened place watching your life as a movie? Or were you still in the car, like remembering that? What were you seeing at that point? Uh, good question. I was in all places. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's very, uh, so I'm going to try to language this because it's difficult, yeah. uh, you know, to 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 really adequately language the experience. I I had my I'm moving my body around to do it. Okay. I had my you know my body turned this way, looking at the at the Lincoln. I could see my mother's shoulder. 
um, you know, God, it must have been less than a second that, you know, this and everything after transpired and before impact. And and while I could visually see that, I was also at the same time um, in this kind of other place that mm. was, I was seeing it almost like if you could take a, like a film that had another place and lower it down over, you know, the, 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 the reality, the layer of reality that we're used to, it was also there, but it was even more real than, than what I was looking at. So, so they were, they were both happening at the same time. And it was, you know, what though, when I was in the scenes, basically, cause I was going scene by scene, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I won't necessarily say with a spirit guide, I'll say with uh, some sort of omniscient mm-hmm. uh, aspect of, of consciousness. Mm-hmm. We want to call it God. We want to call it the higher self, whatever we want to call it. Um, this had, this was a massive presence that, that I, you know, before in my life I had been aware of at different times, mm-hmm. but never in, in this sort of hyper, hyper awareness. Did you see this being or presence or you just felt it? No, it was conscious, you know, uh, consciousness itself. Hmm. Um, you know, not, there wasn't um, in this space for me, there wasn't, uh, you know, here, I'm going to the life of you. I'm going to talk to this other being hmm. uh, this, uh, you know, there was a sense of connecting into totality hmm. and into total experience, into some kind of underlying um, underlying field that is inside everything and that everything is made out of and that it, you know, itself is, is, is the all of the consciousness. Hmm. And so there wasn't a sense of um, necessarily sitting in the room, although we were looking at the scenes from this, my particular life, it was happening from this very vast mm-hmm. sort of sense. And the only, the only way that it felt like it was a different entity. So I, I talk about omniscient is because there was a sense of um, I'm having uh, at the same time as, as we were doing the review, there was a sense of having the, the, um, uh, all the limitations, all the sort of um, bits of pretense and um, worry and fear and anything that's part of sort of the, the unnatural tension of, of trying to be a separate self exclusively, that fell away. So that was falling away. And as that was falling away, there was a sense of, of say, the the wave that we, we think of ourselves as waves, but mm-hmm. the wave kind of merging into the ocean. And so that other um, aspect of consciousness felt like the entire ocean. Mm-hmm. And so I started off as the wave interacting with this ocean. But by the end of the life review, it was very clear that there's no difference, you know, that I had been mm-hmm. sort of a prodigal son, you know, like we're all the prodigal sons and daughters of her own super conscious self. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was just being pulled back very gently back into harmony and union with mm-hmm. that super conscious self that is never born, never died and, and, and is, and is eternal. I find it interesting being here on the planet, maybe being separated in that including ego creates all this tension and fear. Would you agree with that? Like when you leave being separated and you go back and maybe you're kind of joining the super consciousness that goes away. Am I making sense? I'll say one thing we can be here and not forget we can, we can be in bodies and we can remember that, that consciousness. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think maybe there's a certain, uh, there might be a certain bit that, that being in a body might be a bit of a, uh, an inhibition uh, against sort of experiencing certain things. But for the most part, uh, we, we need not have the, the separate self sense, um, you know, be the, be the sort of the main show. It's, it's, I think it's simply because we haven't been taught hmm. to pull out of it. 
Yeah. Um, because we, we kind of have a society of the blind leading the blind for the most part. Right. And sometimes we have some people who've stepped out of the shared Plato's cave experience. And, and so sometimes, you know, it, uh, you know, some of us were, we, we step in a lifetime and we're pretty ripe, mm-hmm. you know, for, ha- for, for being pulled out of the cave a little bit. And, and we do, but, um, it, we, we don't have to be in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, that, and that was the main thing of my, the life of you really was, mm-hmm. was that, you know, I didn't, I didn't leave my body. In fact, I was the most in my body I'd ever been in my whole life. And in those nanoseconds sitting there in that, um, you know, the, the car seat of that little Chevy Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was totally there. And, you know, there were other, all the other moments that I had been totally there before in life actually were marked and noted, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of, uh, we, 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 we looked at the things where, where I was holding a grudge mm-hmm. or, or where there was some kind of self judgment or judgment of others or where, where um, kind of, where I had kind of gotten in fear and it was like having the whole nervous system squeegeed out mm. of, of all those things by a very loving presence that, that saw everything totally, but also there was a sense of, you know, it's all right, you know, and that, Oh, okay. But at the same time, there was like, Oh my God, you know, that moment right there, you know, I never mm. thought of that moment as being particularly significant, but I, there I was, I was, I was in it. There was, there was, meet completely in the now. And, and so those were, that was also a fun part of the life review. It was only milliseconds, nanoseconds until the impact, but how much time do you think passed going through the life review? Well, God, you know, it's, that's where we, that's the, was one of the wonderful things I had actually always had a desire as a child um, because I'd read about such things mm-hmm. before and I thought that's not possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how could that, you know, I could, I would had an open mind. I was like, how could that be? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, all that and and uh, I guess time was a little bit different in there. The the, the experience was so hypersaturated, and and so you know, and if that were transposed into normal time, you know, it looks like it would be a nice sort of ninety minute um, mm. class, you know, with yeah. somebody you know pointing at each moment and we're going through. But there it was, in, in you know, the space less than a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there was even, it was even shorter than that because when the life review ended, I, it kind of felt like I was sitting there in that car for a while too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was sort of brought, brought into, um, you know, total oneness with, with, with the consciousness, with mm-hmm. higher self, with God, with, with the, the super conscious self. And I, you know, was sitting in that car seat and everything that I was, I guess this was also part of the teaching that was being given to me, everything that I saw was was completely perfect every everything that that i saw the clouds in the distance um the, the car about to hit us uh my mother's shoulder the the um even could see the guy driving it um wow. who was yeah i think just become aware of the fact he was about to hit a car i think he might have been you know a little bit impaired um they they should have actually done that test but mm-hmm. um everything was was though i was in it it was, it was a very, I didn't, I certainly didn't have the words to describe this type of experience at age 13. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was in this body. I was in the car. I was in the cloud. I was, I was um, everywhere and more. Hmm. And there was such an immense love in that. And there was such an immense joy and freedom coursing through my body. Hmm. Uh, just, I was the most alive I'd ever, ever been right, hmm. right there. And hmm. This is also why I never really thought of my experience as a classic NDE because I, I don't, 
you know, I don't think I flatlined. In fact, I came out of that accident. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I didn't sustain my really major injuries because mm-hmm. I remember uh, the impact and the feeling of the force on my body, mm-hmm. like a rag doll, um, having my head hit the, um, the glass of the window mm-hmm. and feeling like I could hear the thud of it mm-hmm. before I, I was unconscious. But when I got up, there was no bruising. Mm-hmm. There was, there was nothing. Uh, there the only thing that happened what I'd already had a broken arm was I had a, my, the right finger, uh, the middle finger was, was broken. So I went for like a month with my cast mm-hmm. in this shape, mm-hmm. uh, which was, which was kind of funny, but, mm-hmm. um, and the, um, our car was totaled and they had to kind of come in with the big um, skill saw type things that they used to, to chop a car up. And, you know, I remember coming to and and seeing this, you know, blade, um, you know, kind of cutting around um, uh, where I was and where my mother was. Mm. So your sister was in the car as well. Cause I think you were, no, we just just dropped her off. yeah, this is, this is hard for my sister. My goodness. Um, Jesus. Yeah. We, we had just dropped her off and, and then she found out that there was an accident outside and oh God, just to find out that it was, that was us. I, I, I you know, I've certainly talked to her about it, but I, I, you know, I can't imagine uh, it would have been very tough. It was, was very tough for, for her. And, uh, and then my father who was at work and had to, had to get a phone call uh, about it, but yeah, it was just the two of us in, in that car. Mm-hmm. So at that point, then um, I uh, presume that they cut you guys out and then took you off to the hospital. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they you know, put us in and, and on the gurneys and took us to the ambulance. And um, this, this, you know, kind of I wasn't out of this consciousness. That was interesting. Uh, I, I certainly was concussed. I didn't know what my name was. Mm-hmm. Couldn't answer most of their questions. I, I The only thing I knew solidly was, yeah, that's my mom over there. Mm-hmm. And that that's that was the extent of my worldly knowledge at that time. And so uh, we're in the ambulance and, and we're going away. And uh, my mother calls out my name twice. Mm-hmm. And I responded twice that I'm okay, mom. Mm-hmm. And she didn't hear, she didn't register the first one, but the second one she registered. Mm-hmm. And I, I could tell that she registered it because, um, you know, from after we were hit, you know, she was in real bad shape. And, and so her breathing was, was just very labored mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, just trying to keep, keep in a body that had just been broken. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, when I, when I called out the second time, I felt her just, I felt her let go and I could hear her breath changed from being labored to being very even mm-hmm. and long and deep as if she's letting the thing wind down and she's mm-hmm. off. Right. And, um, you know, I also had the sense of, yeah, when, when she was when she was talking, I, I, I heard her. Um, the, the sensation was that I wasn't just hearing her, you know, normally through my ears going through some sort of um, brain processing thing. But the sense was I heard her in this sort of non-local, uh, di- you know, infinitely dispersed place of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I was also looking down at my body mm-hmm. um, at the same time that I was looking up at the ceiling. I felt that I was in the ceiling looking. Mm-hmm. I was looking down at the same time and. And I kind of felt her in my, in my sort of almost linked to me mm-hmm. uh, in, in this almost like a cloud of um, a cloud of consciousness. Then I felt her pulling out, you know, it, it, it felt like that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that there she goes. 
And, you know, while, while in it, I didn't realize that that meant that she was going for good. Mm. You know, I didn't realize that, that, you know, I wasn't going to have my mom anymore. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, then, so then we were in the hospital and, you know, kind of the uh, emergency room. I'm okay. I guess <laughs> they still have me, my, my head locked down because they want to, uh, my vitals were okay, but they wanted to check if I had some spine injuries or anything like that from the accident and they're working on her behind the curtains over there and that's where my dad is and my sisters um you know by me you know thinking that maybe i'd been paralyzed or something and um then he my dad comes out and he says to us your mother's gone and so that was of course one of the big big human emotions really really hit home and you know like like getting punched in the stomach mm. and um so yeah then we walked out of that hospital and uh we're we're uh, driven home by my dad's best friend uh, to our house, and um, you know, I that that's that's kind of the scene there. And I, I mm-hmm. thought that this I was at that time thinking that okay, all these um, other ex, uh, experiences must be shock. Yeah, you know, uh, that was the you know that was kind of how I was framing because I really didn't have uh, another framing, uh, you know, available but then as the as the days and then weeks and then even months went by uh, you know it, it didn't take me very long to start thinking like first i was thinking oh, this shock is really good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i i need to be in shock more often mm-hmm. and and then i realized no this doesn't you know i did some reading and asked some questions and like oh, this is not this is this is something different than shock i don't know what it is but this is different uh because i i, I wasn't afraid of anything and i was completely at peace and uh, that that consciousness that I had, um, you know, been sort of uh, plunged into a- in the accident was still there, mm-hmm. and I could I could go into it. It seemed to have some kind of dimensionality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I could, and whenever I went into it, I was kind of playing around, playing games with this new 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 thing. When I went into it, then it would as as if feel like um, joy, mm-hmm. you know, and bliss. <laughs> even would, would rise up through my body, rise up, um, you know, f- from the bowels of my stomach through my heart and, and up and out my, the top of my head. And, and this was a very beautiful sensation. And, uh, I was one time going to ask my dad if he had, if he was experiencing this too. And just before I was about to vocalize, you know, kind of, you know, there was this sort of message came from, from the back of the brain. Yeah, maybe not. And so I, and so I, I didn't, then I realized, oh, he, no, he's not, it answered my question. It said, he's most definitely not experiencing that, you know, maybe just nurture this in your, in yourself for a while, play with it. Cause nobody, nobody seemed to have, be having, uh, you know, that aspect of the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also strange because at the same time I was going through all the, all all the stages of grief, just mm-hmm. as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross would, would, would outline them, just like textbook. I was amazed at how, mm-hmm. how closely, um, you know, the, the, the human process, one human process can line up with another human process, being that we're, we're all so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but there it was, you know, everything that she laid down, I, there were times I found myself um, punching the garage door when I was angry, uh, deeply angry at God for taking my mother away from me. And, and even as I was going through all these things and, you know, crying myself to sleep and, and, you know, everything else, uh, there was also, I, I was experiencing it from this deep place of presence at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt like being in my own sort of um, cave um, as a waterfall of emotions was, was running through me. 
mm-hmm. and um, and I wasn't dissociated um, from it either because I felt so present, more present than I'd ever been in my life. So do, that was, you know. Do you feel that this, you know, having this experience also made it easier for you to process? Yeah, immensely, immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know, I didn't know why at the time, but looking back and after spiritual training and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of doing it the slow and systematic way, I realized, oh my God, no, my, my, you know, it's not like you have to kill your ego. It's just my, my ego structure wasn't the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's still a tool, but it wasn't the main tool. Like it had been for the previous seven years of my life, mm-hmm. you know, this neurotic, you know, insecure, um, grasping, fearful mm-hmm. little being who could also be, you know, feel successful, and all this other mm-hmm. shit. It just wasn't there. And so it's because it, and that's the thing that blocks so many people from experiencing anything so because it wasn't there i was just like whoa you know like like a little like when a little kid's um you know angry or something or they're they're a little bit more pre-rational but when they're angry it's, it's just there in the next moment you know they're fine and they're they're onto something else they're not like george costanza right. like, you know from seinfeld lingering about something for two weeks you know and so that 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 helped me immensely i thank i thank god that you know that that was a gift in itself um because, you know, when when that faded and, and sort of the, you know, the ego structure kind of, you know, came came back in, it was it was, you know, another story altogether. And I was I was, you know, really in, in quite a the, the suffering was real. And, mm-hmm. and so so it was nice to have at least that reprieve of, of two, three months to 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 experience, be experiencing life and grief and, in in a very you know different way. I would guess that you could say this kind of started you on your path to being, you know, being a monk and, and all the spiritual training that you took or, yeah. you know, I would assume that you wouldn't have done this if this hadn't happened. Yeah, I, I may well have, but it probably would have taken a much longer period of time mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, Cause I certainly, uh, you know, when I was thinking about a career as a, as a, you know, very young child, if I had sort of returned to those things, I, I kind of had this notion, I want to be some combination of a Jedi and a Ghostbuster. Wow. And I had these dreams of going to some kind of place where I would receive training mm-hmm. and I would, you know, um, you know, learn how to do all sorts of things. I had the, a lot of times as a child where I would go to bed by um, going out the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just, I did that because it was pleasurable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to do that. I would do this sort of pre- pre- naturalistic breathing exercise, but, but, uh, you know, even with all that, yes, if I hadn't had this, I would have, I think, and my mother was still alive. I would have had a, um, you know, I would have been too comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would have been too comfortable with the kind of success that I, that I probably would have had mm-hmm. and, and maybe not, you know, not looked uh, more deeply, more quickly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's absolutely the case. It's interesting because I'm about 15 years older than you. And when I was a kid, it was kind of you could see it on TV some, and but it was not. It was kind of they were phasing it out. But there used to be an old t- TV show, and what we, I think it was called Kung Fu, and it was about <laughs> it was David Carradine or something. And he was yes, this yes, warrior m- Shaolin monk. And I, I watching that, I wanted to be like a Shaolin monk, you know. And it, to me, it almost sounds like you. I mean, Jedi and uh, Ghostbusters yes. sounded like you wanted to be a warrior monk as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, that I, you know, just uh, uh, exactly so. That that's the archetype. Uh, you know, mixed with a little bit of Merlin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that sort of thing. That was that was all 
all there. But, you know, I saw ghosts as a kid. So that also, um, you know, pushed me in that direction too. It, I, I think it gave me a way to, um, I think, protect my psyche a little bit, feel a little bit more empowered and comfortable with uh, some of the weirdness that, that I experienced and just kind of go with the flow and not, you know, get too afraid. Um, so, so yeah, that's also the Ghostbuster stuff. What other paranormal stuff happened to you as a kid before this? You said you saw ghosts. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I often, so I was, I grew up as a rationalist. So, I mean, you know, when they start training you as like six, when you have the, the faculties for it. And, and so I, I, I took these, my experiences very lightly and was quite skeptical of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents, though, to their credit, they praised me for having an imagination. Mm-hmm. And so they, I never felt shut down mm-hmm. to talk about anything. And so I don't think then I didn't shut, my faculties weren't shut down because mm-hmm. I could just put it all in the imagination box. And since that was a prized box, you know, mm-hmm. it was fine. But I did. I had people walk into my room. I would see them visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, remember, I remember sitting in my crib a lot. Uh, when I'm not, I realized later I wasn't supposed to have those memories, but this was before I could walk because I remember learning how to walk. And uh, I remember the first time that I cleared, you know, four feet walking, I was really proud of myself. I felt like, oh my God. And I remember the first time I escaped my crib. Unfortunately, I didn't have a good idea of what to do once I escaped. So I had to sleep the night on the floor, which wasn't, you know, as comfortable. But um, but no, I would sit in the crib in the morning before the sun came up and probably a few hours before my mother would come in because she would uh, check on me and, you know, get some of the stuff she kept in the closet in my bedroom. And I would just sit in my crib and in sort of like a meditative uh, space of consciousness. And sometimes, you know, people would walk in. Uh, there was a couple there was a regular cast of characters which seemed to live in the house or hmm. maybe they were some kind of residual memory. I, I wasn't sure at the time, wasn't thinking about it. And then there were, uh, as I got out of the crib, I would um, have people kind of follow me home from preschool. Mm-hmm. And, and I would, you know, I basically used the Sherlock Holmes archetype because um, I loved watching the Jeremy Brett 1980s show. I, I used that as a way to frame um, what I would, my role with these uh, people you know, for lack of better words. And so I re- I felt that they all had problems, that most of them were, I could feel they were afraid. They, and so I would sit in my, in this rocking chair in my room and I would have them come in one person at a time. And I would um, have them be over here. I would close my eyes and I had a Sherlock Holmes hat and the whole, mm-hmm. and I had a pipe. Mm-hmm. So the, the costume pieces I think were important for me mm-hmm. to, to deal with this. And I would close my eyes and go into this, vast white space behind me and when I felt I was like really totally there I would sort of do this thing where I pushed it out you know to them and kind of wrap them in it mm-hmm. and and you know at a certain point I would get this feeling that of release you know and then I would open my eyes and the room was like would feel crisp and clean mm-hmm. and they and they were gone and this this I did every day basically mm-hmm. and and sometimes I would have three or four a day. Wow. And, 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 you know, they would, I wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily follow me from preschool, but they just show up. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I was, before I was seven or eight, when I didn't have much of an ego, 
I, I think this went really swimmingly. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, because I was so loose and flexible, you know, I, I think we, we just were, you know, you know, very intuitive and just kind of knew what to do. As I got older, I had more fear. But when the ego got in, there was there were, I, I that's when the hair would start to, um, you know, go up on my neck or it, or it bothered me. Mm-hmm. And, and so then, um, you know, I, I remember this one one time, this very dark being came in actually later years later when i saw how they portrayed the dementors in the harry Potter films mm. that wasn't far off mm. and i remember being woken in bed by having this immense fear going through me and i'm looking over and this thing was scaring the bejesus out of me mm-hmm. and somehow i i, I maybe it been because i'd watched the labyrinth film mm-hmm. um and they, she says you have no power over me or i'd watch something else or it was just plain intuition that it just i came out of my came out of my stomach and it said just just totally you know the way to deal with this is just completely be open and be in total love mm-hmm. and I said okay that's the best I've got so I I did that and it, it, and it just kind of freaked out mm-hmm. um you know it, it freaked out and, and and kind of ran ran the hell out of the room later I had another one show up and I I did the same thing again but this one didn't want to run it it, it was coming for help and oh. and it was you know saying basically I understand you don't scare as easy. That's kind of what it, what it said to me. I, could you help? And I said, sure. Um, you, uh, and I just came up with a job for it to do. I said, like, you um, stand by the door because I'm getting a little bit older and I'm not as good as I used to be. I kind of get alarmed when too many spirits come here. You stand by the door because you're scared. You can be my, my, my door guard. You, mm-hmm. And you only let one at a time and, and only discarnates who are genuinely wanting to transition. Mm-hmm. And that's your job. Can you do that? Absolutely. And and so that was interesting because as I went through childhood, there was often a sense whenever I'd leave my room, I'd see this guy who, who kind of otherwise would have a very bad energy, like a, some kind of demon hell's angel, with, you know. But but there was always a sense of of, of underlying um, friendliness because we had made this pact with each other, and so you know that was another part of paranormal part of childhood. Mm. So did you? understand later in life you know coming back that did you ever figure out who these people were especially people that kept coming every time or did you find out who they were yeah this is weird um i I think two of the people would um i didn't mention i think they had been somehow connected to the house and had lived there and 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 for whatever reason we're we're sort of stuck um they left too um with me that was clean by the time i hit 16 mm-hmm. i remember 3 days in a row i i i had this sort of sleep paralysis thing mm-hmm. um you know kind of happened but i but i beat it but uh, i had seen these beings before and and so there was this one guy who his shirts had the kind of oranges and browns and greens that you'd find either in the 1970s or the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Just to my to my mind, really tasteless colors mm-hmm. that were endemic to those ages. And he was walked from my door and it was, he walked behind my head as I was sleeping in bed. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, looked up at him. But there was a, a you know, you, you know, I was frightened. But but really, that was just my animal body being frightened. And I realized he's he's saying goodbye. Oh, wow. You know, he's been here the whole time. He's saying goodbye. And so there was a tear in his eye and I never felt him anymore. And the, the next morning um, there was this sort of stiff Edwardian dressed woman who had a very like stern look on her face, almost like, like a Maggie Smith when she's uh, stern as McGonagall, but maybe a more, uh, a thinner face. And she would scare anybody if you, if you saw her in, in a room, but she came and did the same thing. And, and, and I realized, okay, they're saying goodbye. 
Mm. you know, all of them for some reason, because I guess it, it, it coincided with when I made the decision basically to turn my room into an ashram at home and, and dedicate myself to six hours a day of meditation. Mm -hmm. So everything changed after that. And then the third morning was the guy that I put by the door. Mm -hmm. And when, when I saw him this, this time, half of his face was now a human face mm -hmm. because before it was just dark mm -hmm. and half of his body and speckles was a human body. And, and there was, I had tears in my eyes at this uh, meeting. I, I woke up, I wasn't in paralysis for this one. I, I woke up with this beautiful feeling in my torso and there he was, and he was smiling, uh, uh, you know, a non-sinister smile. And, and he, he left, he, mm -hmm. he kind of disappeared. And, uh, after that, nothing ever came into my room. There was no sense of anything because, uh, it and you know that was that was it. Mm. Uh, so, anyways, that was um. Yeah, yeah maybe there the were beings that were just stuck to that house for some reason, and finally you they um, transitioned over. Yeah, yeah, some of them did. I think others didn't. I think they they moved to another part of the house for my <laughs> monastic period. I heard later um, from my. My poor younger half brother, who also had the room, he I got a call out of nowhere from his uh, his mom, and she was saying like, "Did you ever experience anything in that house?" Like, boy, did I ever! But you tell me what he's experiencing first, because I don't want to sort of um, I, I don't want to you know put anything out there that would would prejudice what you tell me. Please just tell me what he's experiencing. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was experiencing some of the people that I basically sort of had banished mm -hmm. from my room. Mm. Um, or that were moved out by my tough that I hired. Uh, oh. But he was experiencing them again up there wearing some of the same clothing. Oh. And he, he didn't have as easy a time with them as I did. He wasn't like a budding ghostbuster with a little bit of psychic oomph in his, in his gut to kind of, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. he was, he was poor guy was, was scared and he called them, you know, the wrong people, oh. um, you know, as, as a, as a, a little boy. Um, so, so I guess some of them went, went um, just to a, the basement is where he said they went. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, you know, in my, in my tenure in the house uh, you know, it was, it was easy, easy street after, after I made the choice to, to do the um, uh, deep spiritual work. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your spiritual journey afterwards and how you wound up getting into Aisha's Ascension. <laughs> I think I was slow walking the journey to meditation because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I knew that I, I had to do it and I wanted to do it, but I was also at the same time frightened mm -hmm. I, I, of, of what would happen uh, yeah, after, because after the, the uh, wonderful afterglow of the NDE faded uh, and I was just left in, you know, a miserable teenager who deeply missed his mother, mm -hmm. depression, mm -hmm. depression for two years, uh, two, two solid years, eighth grade, I kind of was able to hide it and compensate with a bunch of other stuff. Freshman year of, of high school, it's just internally um, very rough. Uh, the The only thing that came in was I had the summer before my freshman year of high school, went into a metaphysical bookstore with my sister. I had never had any interest to go into a metaphysical bookstore in my life. It just seemed like I was repelled even. Now, I was, that wasn't my thing, you, you know, even though apparently it totally was i just didn't know mm -hmm. so i went in with her because i always tagged along with my cool older sister um you know wherever she went and just you know learned how to be flexible and, and you know uh, deal with uh, her more refined taste than mine mm -hmm. and um, i went into the back of the store and picked up a book at random and started reading it and, I was, and my jaw kind of dropped you know 
but it also totally made sense because here this page was talking about um, Himalayan yogis and some of their experiences. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that sounds an awful lot like what I was the sp- what I was experiencing mm-hmm. before. And and so I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked mm-hmm. from that point. Between that and you know, randomly from watching John Anthony West's um, wonderful documentary, The Mystery of the Sphinx, somehow just watching this thing on alternative Egyptology just blew my blew my mind open and blew my soul open too. Mm-hmm. And between those kind of two threads of, of uh, there was something that was opening an awful lot mm-hmm. um, in me. And I was, I was given these wonderful, um, you know, I, I had a very good nuclear family. Um, and my sister and my dad um, were wonderful, but I also was given, you know, people in the community who were uh, kind of tuned into this sort of stuff and became kind of uh, mentors that I would, I would see. And, and we had these, you know, they, the thing that I noticed in them was they had, they gave off that feeling that I had while in the accident. And for the few months after it, they were exuding it somehow. And I could feel it, you know, kind of in me when I would be talking with them and in their presence. And, and so I was like a moth to a flame there. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was, there was that for maybe three years. And then at, at some point I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm just going to start meditating like, four to six hours a day within a month. I'm going to work myself up to that, but that's where I need to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as soon as possible, because I thought I've been dicking around here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been, I need to, I need to go all the way like a good yeah. Scorpio, you know, right. I gotta, <laughs> you, you know, you don't leave anything on the table here. Don't shortchange your soul here. You, you, you know, the, all those sorts of things were, were pushing me along and goading me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just, you know, decided to start. And I was also re- resistant to it because I wanted to be what say my, my father and, and um, grandparents and, and family, you know, I wanted to, you know, rise up in the supposed meritocracy of American society and go mm-hmm. to the best school that I could and, and have some kind of financial stability and all these other things. I don't know, maybe be a lawyer or be, architect or be in politics or God knows what. Mm-hmm. And I really was trying to keep myself in that model, but I just couldn't, I had no gas for it. There was no fuel for it. Mm-hmm. And, and so there, there was this part of myself, which I called the crazy monk, which was, I could feel was wanting to come out. And so eventually I was like, Oh, fuck it. You know, I mean, come on, you might die tomorrow. And what, what would be the point of dying if you don't, you know, let this thing out. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. And uh, Ishaya's ascension happened about a year, uh, a year, a year and a half after I started my uh, my meditative journey. It was um, maybe even sooner than that. If I'm thinking about this, yeah, maybe sooner than that. Yeah, uh, I had actually um, I had been offered to learn TM before mm-hmm. for the low, low price of raking my TM teachers leaves for the whole summer. God, I should have, I should have taken it up. But, um, but there was something in me that said like, no, no, not this go around, you know, not this lifetime. As I said, well, okay, I guess I'm not, okay. I can't do it. Thank you. But I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and later I, I remember looking at this thing called the Ashaya's Ascension on the internet one time and, it, mm-hmm. you know, turned to its website. It's about 1998 mm-hmm. and it's talking about stress release. I'm like, well, I don't need stress release. You know, mm-hmm. what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, this is not interesting to me. And I kind of moved along and, and, and then we, um, I was introduced to uh, my future brother-in-law. Of course, I didn't know he was going to be my brother-in-law mm-hmm. uh, at his uh, job at the, at the local supermarket. And he started talking to me about these, 
ascension. And I thought he was maybe referring to something like Saint Germain or some other kind of uh, more new age teaching. And he's talking about a shy as I was about 16. And I, and I vividly remember uh, pretending to know what he was talking about, mm -hmm. you know, and not in my head, but I had no clue. Mm -hmm. and, and so, um, you know, about a, maybe six months after that, or, or um, a little bit more time, uh, my sister and I, um, my, my sister was basically helping me found uh, the Lake Geneva Metaphysical Society mm. uh, because I was always I was lonely for my old mentors. And I decided, well, if they're not coming to you, you just got to make the thing happen and, and bring bring the people of like mind and, and create a space for it. So that's what we did. And um, he was one of the first people we invited. And I'm so glad because he came and he and I, after the first meeting, he and I were meditating and I was doing my practices, breathing practices counting breath, concentration, stuff like that. He was doing, I don't know what, but I could feel it. I could feel it from that. It's like, I, yeah, he's whatever he's doing. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some juice to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so uh, I, I managed to graduate at half uh, a year, uh, half year early, uh, my senior year of high school, because I just had the sense, I have to get the hell out of here. I've got to go be a monk somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, you know, wanted to do this. And, and so I managed to do that. And a week after graduating, um, I was, you know, maybe, maybe five days after graduating, I was coming back from picking up one of my usual activities was picking up the cigarette butts of town and putting them in garbage bags mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to clean up um, main street. And my brother-in-law said, Hey, we, we do you want to come and, and to this meditation course this weekend up in Minneapolis, you know? Uh, you know, 300 bucks showed up in my bank account and we're, it's going to be for you to learn the practice. And I, and I found myself saying yes immediately. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was actually strange to me at the time because I was so regimented into my meditation schedule that I like had no more social life and I didn't do anything, mm. you know, if it, if it wasn't there. Yeah. Let me, let me stop you there. Um, before we get into it, what is Aisha's Ascension? Oh yeah, well it's it's this kind of a, a mantra practice, but it's not Sanskrit mantras. It's it's these short little phrases in the in the first language of, of whatever the, the practitioner. I kind of call them prayer mantras because mm -hmm. it, it kind of feels like some kind of flavor mix of uh, a kind of a mystical Christianity with a with a with a you know Himalayan Hinduism kind mm. of uh, kind of thing. And and you know neither of them of course at all because it's it's its own thing and you can do it no matter. If you're an atheist or if you're, you know, a Hare Christian or, a, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's these things that use praise, appreciation, gratitude and love in, in such a way that you, you don't have to feel these things while doing the practice. You can feel like crap, but you just kind of drop these um, seed mantras into the mind and in an effortless manner, which is the thing that maybe takes the, the most part of the instruction is most people have a tendency or a habit to, you know, add a whole lot of effort without without knowing it 